Welcome to the Landis Experience podcast featuring the bull bear banter. We all know that markets often behave in a way that can't easily be explained. The bull bear banter is our best effort to digest the noise of the marketplace. Thank you for joining us. Sit back, relax, and let's talk about the markets. Hello, this is Cheyenne Dunham, and I'd like to welcome you to the August 28th episode of the Bull Bear Banter. Tom Guinan is joining me today, and he is going to give an update on the markets this week. Tom? Well, Cheyenne, today December corn gained three quarters of a cent, closing at 359 and a quarter, but that is up 18 and three quarters from last Friday. November soybeans gained eight and a half today to finish at 950 and a half. That's up 45 and three quarters week on week. And January beans added eight and three quarters today, finishing at 956 and a quarter, gaining 45 cents for the week. All right, so for our big story this week, it's really hard to find much to be bearish about. As Tom just mentioned, corn is up double digits, soybeans are up more than 40 cents this week, and many in the industry expect further issues and deterioration to the crop in next week's crop ratings. On top of that, we continue to see new crop export sales being put on in a big way, and that's for both corn and soybeans. The Chinese and that other big buying group, Unknown, bought more of both this week. The dollar continues to be weak, and crude oil and gasoline continue to inch a little higher every week. Natural gas prices have gained more than 30% in the last two months, and part of that is due to hurricane season in the U.S. Gulf. I heard someone the other day remarking on how unusual all of this is for the month of August. At the beginning of the month, the bears were firmly in charge and asking, just how big is this crap going to be? And now, at the end of August, the bulls are asking the same thing. Just how big is this crop going to be? With that, let's move on to the bull bear factors. Well, for the bull side on corn, crop condition scores continue to drop. Nationally, it was estimated at 64% good to excellent, down 5 points from last week, but still above last year at this time of 57%. Iowa was seen at 50%, down 9 points from the previous week. Nebraska dropped 7 points to 66%. Illinois lost 4 points, hitting 72%. Minnesota is now at 82%, down a point, and Indiana also lost one to hit 64%. Given the ongoing dryness, most people expect further deterioration in next Monday's report. Export inspections continue to run at a good pace, even though last week at 35.1 million bushels is down from the previous week of 42.3 million, and it's also a low for the past three weeks. But during those three weeks, we've averaged 42.7 million per week, which keeps us above that 40 million per week pace that we've been talking about. It now looks like the USDA will have to increase their annual projection for corn exports by more than 100 million bushels. We should see this reflected in the September 11th WASD. New crop export sales were toward the top end of expectations, coming in at 46.5 million bushels. Old crop sales last week were also on the high end of expectations at 10.6 million. Export sales announced during the week show 405,000 metric tons to China and another 324,000 tons to unknown. In total, that's about 29 million bushels sold this week. So for our bear factors on corn, while U.S. ethanol production increased another 2 million gallons last week to 274 million, it is still running behind the 290 million per week pace estimated to meet the USDA's projection of 4.85 billion bushels of corn for ethanol demand by the end of the marketing year. Ethanol stocks also increased 6 million gallons last week to 857 million gallons. Even though those of us in Iowa continue to come to grips with the impact of the drought and the derecho, 
other parts of the country are going to outperform last year's results. Some analysts still expect a national yield at or above 180 bushels per acre. But even if we move that down to 175, we're still on track to produce a billion more bushels this year. And while demand does appear to be higher during the next crop year, the ending stocks number will most likely grow from somewhere around 2.1 billion at the end of last year to more than 2.5 billion at this time next year. As far as soybean bull factors, export inspections last week were at the top end of expectations at 42.3 million bushels and up from the previous week's 34 million. It still appears that the annual estimate from the USDA of 1.65 billion bushels is within reach and could possibly be surpassed by the end of August. If we stay on the pace of the past couple of weeks, it looks like the U.S. may export 20 million or more bushels than anticipated. Crop ratings are also decreasing for soybeans, estimated at 69% good to excellent as of last Sunday, that is down three points, and while still ahead of last year's 55%, the main concern is how quickly soybeans are moving backward. Without significant rains during August, many are adjusting their yield and production numbers downward. Iowa lost six points to hit 56%, Illinois dropped five points to 73%, Minnesota lost two points but still sits at 82%, Indiana lost a point to 66%. Soybean oil has been rallying lately. While we have all been focused on the price of soybeans and the rally we've seen lately, soy oil is significantly outperforming soybeans. From the low on March 18th through today, November soybeans are up about $1.11, or about 13% higher. During the same time frame, soybean meal is up about 10 bucks, or a little more than 3% higher. December soy oil futures, meanwhile, are up about $0.07 cents per pound, which may not sound like much, but that is more than 27% higher. So, for an apples-to-apples comparison, while meal is up about $10 a ton, and soybeans are up about $37 a ton, oil is up $140 a ton. I'm hearing that a big part of this is due to the weaker U.S. dollar, but also more restaurants opening up, as well as issues in the Gulf due to hurricanes shutting down oil production and driving natural gas prices higher with it, which lifts soybean oil prices. These things really are related. Export sales were strong again last week, with new crop sales totaling 68.9 million bushels. Total commitments for new crop now stand at 824 million bushels versus 206 million at the end of last August. Old crop sales were almost non-existent. For our soybean bear factors, we're pretty thin here. Soybean condition ratings last week came in at 69%, good to excellent, which is well above the 55% we saw at the same time last year. Even without significant rains across Iowa and the Midwest in August, it continues to appear that the U.S. is going to produce a relatively large crop. Since we're lacking much for the bear factors in soybeans, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, mind you, we thought we'd throw in a today in history. 57 years ago, on August 28, 1963, was the day that Martin Luther King Jr. delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech in Washington, D.C. It's fascinating to read some of the details about that speech. According to those that were there, the line, I have a dream, was nowhere in the original manuscript. One of the most interesting stories about this comes from George Raveling, the former head basketball coach for the Iowa Hawkeyes. And he should know, he has the original notes that Dr. King handed to him immediately after the speech. He has said recently that he's been offered $3 million for those notes, but that they are not for sale. In fact, his will instructs that they should be given to his son and that his son is forbidden from selling them. On our What to Watch For in Upcoming Events, 
At the end of today's episode, we hope you'll stick around to hear an interview with Eric Lairdahl. Eric is the Director of Procurement for the Landist Agronomy Team, and we'll be talking about agronomic practices for downed corn. Next week, Landis is going to be hosting two webinars to discuss the 2020 crop tour. You'll need to register on our website to attend. Also next week, our guest will be Dr. Charles Herberg. Charlie is the professor in charge of the Grain Quality Lab. He's going to be discussing the ongoing impacts of not only the derecho, but also about the Iowa drought that has been growing in intensity. Just a reminder, Labor Day is just a couple weeks away on September 7th, and the next USDA WASDE report is due in two weeks. That comes out on Friday, September 11th. Tom's take. This week I was able to get out and drive through a big part of the derecho area. I knew it was bad. Within a mile of where I live, there are several flattened fields, but it was still somewhat depressing to see so much devastation in so many areas. I'm still amazed that I haven't heard of any deaths from this storm, let alone many serious injuries. Maybe because it was during the day and people saw it coming and took shelter? I don't know. But driving through these areas made me even more thankful for that, at least. I know there are many of you that are hurting from this. I know this is going to be a long process for many, many people. Seeing grain bins crumpled like pieces of paper and mile after mile of corn flattened to the ground is just hard to fathom, as well as the indiscriminate destruction. In some areas, the north side of the road looks like it might be able to be harvested and perhaps 50% or more of the plants are still alive, while on the south side of the road, in the same place, the corn was flattened. In other areas, it was just the opposite. Topography played a big role as well, with some areas on a piece of ground sloping down from the north and or west looking unscathed, but the field at the bottom of the hill on a flat piece of ground just gone. And certainly fields on the south side of a tree line or windbreak appear to be in good shape. Thankfulness for the safety of all involved is about all I could think about. That and the utter force of destruction from wind. The worst places I have seen so far are just north of Dawson and just north of Woodward between highways 169 and 17. Our thoughts are with all of you. Please contact your local Landis representative if there is anything we can do to assist. All right. Well, with me today is Eric Lurdahl. Eric works with our agronomy team, and he is the director of procurement. So welcome to the podcast, Eric. Thanks for having me, Tom. Yeah, good to have you on. Um, We'd like to talk a little bit with you today, just uh, some of this corn that is laying down flat on the ground from a you know, an agronomic perspective, what should these producers be thinking of and doing once they get the okay from their crop insurance folks? Yeah, I mean, obviously, just what you said, Tom, I mean, first step is crop insurance. Make sure you're getting clear understanding from your crop insurance on what you are allowed to do, because there's several different injuries out here. You know, we've got corn that is this flat and hailed on. We've got corn that is kinked over that looks like it could still be harvestable. Um, then we got some corn that's really root lodged. Um, it looks like we can probably get under some of that and harvested as well. Um, really what I want to talk about today is is this corn that is really flat on the ground. So guys are getting um, zeroed out by their insurance companies right now in some situations. Um, and, and what is the best practice on those particular acres? So the first thing is if you do get zeroed out from your crop insurance, um, now is a really good time to go out there and do some sort of mechanical tillage. I know this isn't ideal for a no-till person, but we've got a mat of corn on the ground that was probably 200 plus bushel corn in a lot of situations, and we need to do something with that. So if we can get across it with a disc, a vertical tillage type tool, I know we actually have some people out chopping some of this too right now, but trying to get, get it sized down and get that debris somehow incorporated into the soil. 
Because what will happen then is if we can get it broken up and we can get it incorporated into the soil, we can really start the process of decomposition. So we're gonna get that seed, that soil contact out there and microbial activity is really increased over 50 degrees. Well, over the past few days, what we've been 90 plus degrees. So it's a great time to get out there and get started with this decomposition. Um, you know, I've, I've seen guys disking corn working successfully. I've seen vertical tillage tools working successfully, but anything we can do to try to get that chopped up and get that process started. Now that won't get us through the entire season, I don't think. You know, can we get out there, get that done, get some seed and soil contact? Hopefully we get some moisture, get some of those potential volunteer corn germinating. Then I think a guy's gonna wanna go out there again and try to do an additional tillage pass, maybe three to four weeks. Um, get out there and do another pass. Perhaps then we can get out there with some deeper tillage equipment, such as a ripper, um, and get it uh, get it buried a little bit better than where we're at today. Yeah, that sounds really good. I really appreciate that. Um, I know the agronomy team and grain team and various members of uh, Landis have been out kind of surveying the crop across the the whole footprint of Landis. Um, have you heard much from those folks in those areas that, you know, what they're seeing as far as, uh, you know, how much damage you think is out there or what are you hearing, I guess, is the question. Yeah, you know, we got pockets um, that, are, that are really devastated. I mean, if you get in some of those really high wind areas, um, there's a lot, a lot of really flat and damaged crops, you know, that Woodward, Rippy, Perry area, I mean, really took a hit hard, um, you know, not not only you know the fields themselves but uh, also you know grain grain facilities in that area uh, both farmer and uh, and cooperatives um, you know if you start to get further south aways and further north I mean around the highway 30 corridor um, you know you've got pockets that are that are really down um, but you've also got you know just some leaning and kinking areas as well I mean you got fields that really look okay and then fields that don't look okay now could it be you know a, a tillage practice or a planting depth situation in some of those even varietal differences or hybrid differences are having an impact but i mean we're definitely starting to see those in those areas um this past week um, with the heat um, especially the winds i mean it really started to take a toll on those where they were already stressed crops and really started to shut those down prematurely sure sounds good i know when i was out driving and kind of surveying some of this myself it really felt like the topography it either helped or hurt that situation. You know, if your your field was up a little higher than the field next to it, that field got leveled. The one that was a little lower might be still standing and looking good or behind a windbreak or, you know, gently sloping field that was sloped from north to south or east to west seemed like they stood that a lot better just because of the way the winds hit them. Um, but yeah, definitely a lot of variability out there. So, I guess to recap, um, step one, talk to your insurance folks, make sure you're on board with them. If they're if they're zeroing out your crop, then you want to get that taken care of as soon as you can. Is that correct? Is there anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, that, that'd be step one, insurance and then trying to do some tillage. There are some other practices out here as well for trying to um, continually break down um, this this material that we've got out, out there. Um, university data and scientific data is kind of uh, mixed on this information. Um, but one thing that a person can do that may help is uh, you can spray five gallons of 32% UAN and a gallon and a half of ammonium thiosulfate out here on these on these plants. And what that'll do is it'll 
Um, it should help feed the microbial activity out there, which will should then also speed up the process of a decomposition. It'll also give a give a little bit of burn to that uh, that plant, act like, more like a desiccant. So you know, if you do that, wait a few days and then go out there with tillage, you know, it could potentially improve it. There's also some other products that we're we're evaluating and looking at and gathering information on, which are also microbial type products um, that people promote to help uh, break down. Also, some mixed results on these. It just kind of depends on which particular product you're looking at, and universities are kind of mixed too. But you know, we do have access to some products that we think could be of benefit. Um, you know, we're not trying to be a hail chaser out here and just sell something. But if a guy really wants to try something, I think we do have some agronomic solutions that could be worth taking a look at. And I just encourage you to talk to your field sales agronomist. I mean, we're here to help. I mean, this August 10th derecho was an event that none of us wanted to see. I mean, agriculture's already been impacted heavily by, you know, depressed commodity prices, the drought stress, and this derecho was just a really unfortunate event um, that took place. So we're here to help. Um, and, you know, anything, any questions that you have, I would just really encourage you to talk to your field sales agronomist. Great. Yeah, that was going to be my suggestion as well. Start with your insurance guy, then talk with our agronomy folks and make sure we're doing the right things agronomically. So we're set up as well as we can be for next year. So, Eric, I appreciate you joining us, and uh, we look forward to maybe talking to you a little bit later to see what else is going on in the agronomy world as we get through a little further into, you know, the end of the crop year and into into the harvest time frame. Sounds great. Look forward to it, Tom. All right. Thanks again. I think that's all we have for you today. We appreciate you joining us for the bull bear banter. If you'd like to contact us, you can send a tweet to Coop or drop an email to podcast at landiscooperative.com. Our tagline is bears make money, bulls make money, and pigs just go to market. If you have any questions regarding grain marketing decisions, please reach out to your area grain marketing advisor. We want to thank you for listening, and we'll be back with you again next week. <music>